My name is Jacob Stoops. And I'm Jeff Luella. And you're listening to the Page Two Podcast. This is our podcast about the people of the SEO industry. We chronicle the real life stories, experiences, challenges, and advice from some of the most amazing people in the business. In this episode, episode 50, the season two finale, we talk with Dan Liebson, vice president of search at Local SEO Guide. We talk about his passion for gardening, anything green, his family, and his goal to retire by 45. From a career perspective, we cover Dan's background doing bulletin boards in the early 90s, being online and connected in his early days, his political science background, and his decision on whether to go to law school versus a career in marketing, why SEO ended up being the best decision for him, and more. In the news, we talk about Google's announcement that Google Shopping is free so brands can add products, and WhiteSpark's introduction of a Yext replacement service. Finally, we deep dive into local SEO strategy, talk about the most important aspects of a good local SEO strategy, discuss the good and bad points of various local aggregator services, talk about local SEO misnomers, and more. So get your popcorn ready as we tell Dan's SEO story and have another great roundtable discussion. everybody. Welcome to episode 50 of the Page 2 podcast. This is the season finale uh, of uh, season season two. And uh, yeah, we made it to episode 50. And uh, I was just saying to Jeff, uh, right before we jumped on, I am ready for a break. We've packed uh, 25 episodes into uh, a couple of months. And I just have to say that uh, when we picked that number of episodes, it was it was partly because season one had 25. So I was like, all right, that that seems to make sense. Let's do 25 more. Mm-hmm. Um, and we packed 25 episodes into a much shorter time frame. And uh, I think I think it's time to 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 go take the the summer off after this. Yeah, my my favorite TV show. Well, it used to be it was 24. So we we beat them by one more. That's right. That's right. And, uh, <laughs> As I was saying uh, last episode in which we were talking about the, uh, the Godfather, uh, this is the season finale, finale so I hope that uh, it is uh, super exciting for everybody who is listening, but I can promise you nobody gets knocked off by the end of this episode. Nobody's, uh, you know, nobody's, nobody's going get, to get killed at the end of the episode. So if that's what you're hoping for, sorry to disappoint you. <laughs> maybe. Uh, maybe. You never know, though. Maybe. Uh, so that other voice, that would be Mr. Jeff Luella. And Jeff, how are we doing down there in Georgia today? That's great. Uh, we uh, just lifted our shelter in place for many things. So now I can, it was very specific. I can go bowling, get a tattoo, massage, my haircut and nails. So um, I'm hoping to get all those done at one day. No, I'm kidding. Um, so yeah, our governor lift, lifted it all with Lots of controversy, but um, not as controversial as drinking bleach or injecting bleach that the president hey, recommended. It's the new cure. It's the new yeah. cure. <laughs> UV lights. 
Oh, it's it's almost like we're just living in. It's just a weird world we are living in. Agreed. At the moment, it is weird, and it's getting weirder by the day. Uh, the more that we are cooped up inside. Uh, and last episode, we spent probably twenty five minutes talking about coronavirus and related things. So I think we're just we're we're gonna we're gonna have a change of pace, and we're not gonna talk about it that much. Um, and not only that. We have a guest. We've got a, a very uh, amazing guest, uh, Dan Liebson from Local SEO Guide. Dan, thank you for joining us. How's it going? Going well, going well. Thanks for having me. Um, my nails uh, are done right now. My five-year-old did them yesterday. Uh, I know this is a podcast, so I have blue and white alternating nails right now, just so everyone <laughs> nice. knows. Hey, you got you to gotta do whatever, whatever makes the, uh, the kids and the, the family happy. Uh, especially yeah. now that you guys are all kind of you know, crammed in, crammed in together. Uh, you got to do what, what keeps everybody, everything running smoothly. Absolutely. If that means painting your, your nails, uh, as a yeah. dad, absolutely go for it. My old polish was starting to come off, so it needed to get touched up. There you yeah. go. <laughs> yeah. Well, my kids are at the age now where they don't want to paint my nails anymore. So. You're past that. See, I have not, yeah. I have not reached that reached that phase. It's either that or my daughter has not uh, shown an interest in painting painting my nails. So I've I've uh, I guess I don't know if that means I'm lucky or I don't I don't know what that means. I, I really don't know. My oldest daughter's into LED lights and she just like buys them. Well, she saves up her money, asks like she goes on Amazon, picks out the one she wants, and then her whole room looks like a discotheque in there. It's like lights everywhere. They're all blinking and running around and it's, it's quite interesting. Yeah. It's like, exactly. <laughs> but she has, she has AirPods in the whole time. So she, I have no idea what she's listening to. Maybe she's going <laughs> to cure COVID-19 with her UV. Uh, yeah. Discotheque she probably is. <laughs> right. Oh my goodness. So um, with this being the, the last episode, uh, again, this is the last time I'm going to say it. Uh, going into season three, we're not going to bring this, bring this up anymore. Um, but I do want to say uh, thank you. Uh, thank you to all of the, the listeners. Uh, not only did we reach our listen goal, we exceeded it by 20%. And uh, who knows, by the end of uh, this particular episode, once it gets published and listened to a good bit, uh, maybe that percentage will be uh, will be much higher. But we do really, really uh, appreciate uh, all of the listens uh, and all of the uh, the the follows this season and the the shout outs on social media. Um, it, it's been uh, a, a real pleasure to watch. Uh, and see the the show grow to some degree. And as I say every week, um, it's not like we're the biggest show ever. Um, I do think once we kind of get done with everything, we'll kind of publish our numbers. You don't often see people publish their actual uh, their actual numbers and kind of put them out there. Um, but we we'll do it um, just just for fun. Uh, and uh, yeah, but what I would say is, even though we are a, a small podcast. Um, we're getting uh, we're getting a lot of uh, new listeners, and for those new listeners that are still coming uh, coming on and discovering our podcast, kind of for the first time, uh, what I've been doing at the beginning of every episode is just kind of walking everybody through the format, so you know what to expect with the rest of the episodes. 
So the core of the podcast, it's a little bit different than a regular SEO podcast. Uh, there are a fair amount of SEO podcasts out there that are just dedicated towards getting right down into the tactics and the strategy and knowledge sharing and so on and so forth. And we do that to some extent too. However, when I created the podcast uh, now over a year and a half ago, Uh, My goal was personally to have a voice in the industry, but to figure out how I could make my voice be unique uh, and have my own kind of angle and value proposition uh, in terms of what I could say that might be a little bit different than what everybody else is saying uh, within the industry. And for me, the biggest thing that I find really interesting because there isn't a traditional educational system in place for folks going into SEO, which means that everybody kind of just bumps into it by accident uh, from another from another place and finds it. And then uh, you know, for the people that have been in it a long time, it's you bump into it and then you go, oh man, this is, this is really cool. I've found my passion. Um, and I think exploring those origin stories for me is really compelling and learning where uh, people in the industry have come from. And then even more so, um, I like diving into the day-to-day, what it's like trials and tribulations, uh, what it's like to work as an SEO on agency side, what it's like to work in house. Uh, and then from there, uh, you know, we get into, uh, you know, the experiences and we share advice and we talk shop and so on and so forth. And, uh, as a listener, it's kind of like being a fly on the wall and listening to what SEOs kind of really talk about when a client leaves the room, for example, Um, or a stakeholder leaves the room. So it's just real life SEO conversation and real life uh, background and origin stories. Uh, For season two, we brought Jeff on uh, as a co-host and Jeff has has been amazing. I want to let him kind of speak to his experience now that he's 25 episodes uh, in, but we brought Jeff on and Jeff has been a a really good addition to the podcast. And um, it's been nice to have uh, another voice uh, in, in another person kind of providing their perspective. Uh, also in season two, we've, we added two segments, uh, one being the, the news uh, and one being uh, deep dive. Uh, can't promise that the news is going to, going to stay around because we do want this podcast to be somewhat evergreen. Uh, however, uh, it is around for at least one more episode and we're going to talk today Uh, a little bit about Google shopping, and we're going to talk about some local search, uh, which has not been a a topic that we've talked about too often. And not only that, the deep dive, uh, especially with Dan on, is going to be local search as well, Um, which again, we've not talked about that subject very often. We've covered just about every subject, so it's going to be nice to round out the season uh, talking a little bit of local. So, Jeff, anything you want to kind of add uh, add to that as we end season two? Yeah, no, it's been it's been a fun ride. Um, didn't didn't know what I was getting into when I first said yes when you asked me if I wanted to join you, and it's really been uh, it's been exciting, and it's been also great like meeting so many different people and talking to them. Like I, I talk to a lot of people on Twitter or in Slack or um, different types of groups, Discords and stuff, but. Um, actually getting them on the microphone and, and talking to them has really been, it's been great. And and it's, what I really like is actually interviewing people that I really don't know much about and learning about like more about them. So some of the big guys out there, I feel like I know them just from all their postings, but when it comes to someone who's maybe not as well known, it's great to just 
meet them, understand like where they, how they got into SEO. Uh, we all have our unique stories and, and I, we're going to hear Dan soon, but I, I really have been enjoying that part of it. And, you know, there's the challenging aspect of trying to get your podcast listened to, <laughs> trying to show up in some of the rankings and it's not your traditional SEO stuff there. So um, trying to figure out why like somebody who, made one podcast episode about SEO still ranks in the top 10 for SEO podcasts and um, on Apple, you know, podcasts, but yet hasn't released anything since. <laughs> um, but yet we have 50 episodes and we have trouble ranking for it. So still learning that, that aspect of things. And I feel, uh, you know, we just got to keep cranking them out after a little break. <laughs> um, and then, uh, you know, we'll, we'll be getting up there soon. So um, I really enjoyed it. And thanks for inviting me on. Yeah, and I uh, I will echo. I have enjoyed. Uh, it, this has been, if for nothing else, a really good excuse to get to know more people. Um, and I came into starting this podcast with the perception of, and and everybody is that has listened has probably heard my rant on the conference circuit and conference circuit SEOs. And I think I came into this with a certain impression about what those people are like, just because I had have had had a few bad experiences with a few well-known conference circuit uh, SEOs. And I think my opinion has been to some degree kind of flipped on its head because there have been lots of people that I would say that are on the conference circuit pretty often that have been just the most nice and down to earth people. Not what I, I I don't know. I came in with a different perception and my perception uh, of, of, those types of people have definitely changed uh, for the better. And not only that, like this has been uh, a really good opportunity, like you said, uh, to talk to some people that are really well known in the industry, as well as other people that are just coming up in the industry. And we've really focused on trying to have a balance of the two so that it's not the, just the same old voices getting regurgitated over and over and over again and interjecting some new voices uh, into the conversation um, has been really nice. Um, All that being said, that is enough of me and Jeff talking, uh, and our guest has been waiting silently, (laughs) silently, um, while we kind of do our our end of season two spiel. So Dan, we really, really appreciate that. Um, And I guess tell our listeners a little bit about yourself. Oh, no, it's all good. It's all good. I just, please don't murder me. I didn't know that this was the season finale and that you were going to sacrifice me. Uh, (laughs) So we need you to make our numbers go up. Exactly. Okay. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) No pressure. (laughs) Yeah. So, you know, um, my name is Dan, Dan Leapson. I run the like team over at local SEO guide. We're a boutique search consultancy, yada, yada, yada. Um, we do SEO stuff and or things. Um, I like going to conferences and buying some of my friends drinks. That's what I, I always say is I will buy people booze. So, you know, uh, nice. yeah, that's, that's me. Um, what can I tell you guys about me? I oh. like, I like uh, your format, right? So I don't want to, I don't want to. How did you become the, the booze guy? You're the, you, I guess are the fun guy at conferences then. You, well, I would hope so. <laughs> I don't want to be the unfun person. That would, that right, sucks. Right. right. Uh, so I guess take us back, take us back to the, to the beginning. Um, who, one, who are you like as a person? Um, if somebody were to get to know you outside of SEO, 
what, what would you tell them and how did you get into it? Yeah, um, I would probably, if people, somebody asked me something about me as a person, I probably wouldn't mention SEO at all, right? I don't want them to, to have to explain to them how I like don't work for Google or like what SEO is or, you know, all the <laughs> usual things that go along with that. Um, I don't know. Um, let's see. I am a gardener by choice. I, I post a lot on Twitter about my backyard and like yeah. been farming. Um I like, I really enjoy SEO, but, um, I, so this is like not a thing a lot of people in the space know about me, but Andrew knows this about me is I want to retire by 45 or at least like be able to do whatever the fuck I want to by the time I'm 45 and own a farm. Sorry, please edit that out. I didn't. That's no, okay. It's okay. <laughs> forgot podcast. No, no, no MA NSFW. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, but yeah, so, you know, um, I, I would actually kind of talk about that kind of stuff. Um, one of my big kind of passions is being anything generally green. Um, I really like try to, I have a couple friends trying to do various green related businesses, like either like commercial, um, like vermicomposting and other types of like agribusiness stuff. And so I, I do like some side advising to them. I think that that's much more fun than to say like I do startup uh, green startup advising which is a really fancy way of saying you help your college friends figure out what they're doing in life um, <laughs> so yeah and then you uh, uh through my twitter sleuthing uh looks like you're also a new dad uh, for the second time i have a 14 month old yeah 14 month old and a five-year-old the five-year-old did the nails yeah so in the 14 month in yeah, no, most definitely not. She is not walking yet. Um, yeah, yeah, of course, parenting would be a core thing of my life, particularly now in COVID land. Um, so you both had mentioned that you have kids. Obviously, that is a never end, not like it ever ends anyway, but like now it just literally never ends with minimal separation. I'm sure this is a nice break for you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Going, going to work actually is my, has been my, my break. So I have a six, almost seven year old. I've got a four year old and I've got an 11 month old. And also, yeah, right. Thank you. Um, Yeah, they're awesome. Uh, We've been spending a lot of time together. Uh, And not only that, like between myself and my wife, who's a teacher who is now working uh, from from home. We're both working the regular, regular work weeks, homeschooling. Now uh, we don't normally homeschool, right? We sent them to, to uh, public school and uh, uh, preschool, but because everything's online learning, uh, well, guess what? We're handling a lot of their schooling now and taking care of the little ones. So like my life is just absolutely honestly just batshit insane for the most part. And like we're, the, the big things that we're considering doing in lockdown these days, it's literally like, let's go take a drive. Let's just go drive anywhere in the, in the car. Cause we haven't been out of the house. I'm the only one that's been out of the house in weeks. And that's just to go to the grocery store, which is two minutes away from our house. So yeah, to say we're going stir crazy is a, is a little bit of an understatement for sure. So can you teach your kids how to do like redirect mapping and we can use them as some free help? Hey, they're uh, they're learning their 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 letters and learning how to read. So it's only a, a matter of time. They already almost yeah. use the computer better than me. I know they use iPads and phones better than me. And the in the crazy yeah. thing, uh, with the littlest one is like if he ever gets a hold of our phone, which he does from time to time because he's now becoming mobile, he gets it. And like you can see 
his little finger moving the phone. And I'm like, dude, you are 11 months old and you already understand how to work this. This is scary. The, the, the way that they understand how to work technology, even at 11 months old is a little, is a little crazy. Um, but anyways, back to, back to you, Dan, um, SEO. So obviously you've been doing it for a while. Where did it start? How did you fall into it? Uh, randomly and also kind of like always. Um, I don't know. I, 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 I knew that you've talked to um, some of my peers on here and I know uh, how some of the, I've both heard the episodes and know how some of the, those, those people have gotten started. And so um, like I started out doing bulletin boards and stuff like that back in like the early nineties. Right. I was like super online and connected like from the time I was like in like fourth grade, fifth grade. Nice. And so, you know, um, yeah, yeah, way back in the day, um, you know, on Gmail, when Gmail launched on the internet when I was in high school, um, my academic background is in political science, and I have a graduate degree in political science, so nothing to do with SEO in any way, shape, or form, right? Um, But yeah, I just have like a lot of online experience, and then so like in the mid-aughts, I was making a decision to either go into uh, law school, take LSATs and be a lawyer, or I had like done a bunch of like internships and stuff like that and externships doing social media for organizations, nonprofits, blah, 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 to see if I could get a job doing that and make money. And it turns out I could. Um, And boy, that law school class was terrible. So I'm really glad I didn't do that. Yeah, I was I was going to ask, like looking back upon that, do you feel like you went the, the correct route for yourself? Oh yeah, absolutely. To- totally and completely. I, like I have friends that like went, were in that law school class that like have jobs and are doing well, but like, man, they are the, the that class of 2008 was like, it's like literally the, the crash, right? It's the lowest job placement of any law school class ever. So, you know, they, they probably work their asses off to get there. And we like make things rank higher on Google for a living. So I, I totally lucked out, right? Like I garden in my spare time. I don't have to wear a suit. Like, yeah, that's how I that's how I've felt. I feel like uh, I feel so so lucky because I fell into it as as well. Before I did SEO, like I was literally working at uh, UPS as a package loader, which is like the worst. It is just it's an incredibly intense and difficult job, and it's the only job I ever quit. I mean, I don't quit anything, but that job pushed me to my breaking point, and I quit. Uh, with no plan. And in between that, I to make ends meet, I worked seven days a week as a pet counselor <laughs> at a pet shop. That's awesome. At a pet shop. And I worked at Staples. So I was like, if you've ever seen The Office, I was kind of like Dwight, Dwight Schrute. Um, oh, God, I love The Office. Anyways, so like, there was no plan for me to get into SEO, which is why I find it so lucky sitting here 14 years later. Like, how did that find me? Um, so, yeah, I feel uh, much the same way because it is uh, it, it is awesome. It, it is like you don't have to, at least for me, I, I haven't had to go into the office. And when I have had to go into the office, it's an awesome place to be and you get to work um, with really great people, you get to work on amazing uh, clients, or if you're in-house, you, you know, you work with an amazing brand, and you're just working on the internet. Uh, it is not uh, an easy job. I say to my wife all the time, as a teacher, she 
work so much harder than I do. And I don't know if you guys uh, with your significant others uh, have that experience where like you feel like other jobs, they just work so much harder and even it makes me feel even, even more uh, lucky about the, the career path I've chosen. And I'm not sure that SEO is going to be a thing in 20 years and maybe I won't ever retire as an SEO, but for now it's been, it's been an amazing ride. I mean, it's the only industry that's died at least what once a year, every year for the last 20 years. <laughs> it's it's always it? dead. It's like uh, Sam Sanford and son where he has the, he has yeah. the back. I'm coming, I'm coming, coming to meet you. Yeah. Yeah, I always think that that's like such an interesting take, right? I think that that like the SEO is dead is like such an interesting take along with the like, say it's, it's the other side of the coin with the people who say they like have it dialed in like on SEO, right? Like it's both kind of like equally um, marketing takes rather than kind of, you know, based in their like jobs or reality that they're going through right. every day. Right. Like, like you say, Jacob, like, the, like this is like the wild way, like we're creating stuff on the internet. It honestly is the wild west in a lot of ways and maybe not the like most cutting edge of all like digital or performance marketing, right? Like no claims there, but it's on the head of the spear. Right. Like, and so, you know, it's, it's great if you can thrive in that, but yeah, it's, it's chaotic. Right. And it's very interesting. Yeah. And then I, you know, I think about it also in relation to, and for me, the closest is my wife, but anytime I'm feeling stressed out about a particular client situation, and this happens often, SEO is an industry where there's, there can be a lot of stress if you allow there to be. Um, and I, I have a coworker who for years, and I've worked with him across multiple companies for many, many years. Uh, shout out. His name's Brian Dean. He's not the SEO Brian Dean. He's my Brian Dean. Uh, and he always has a way of bringing levity to any rough client situation. By And, and I'm going to use this quote. It's, Jake, we're just doing marketing. We're not curing cancer. And that always puts it in perspective for me and also reminds me of how lucky I am um, to, and not to say that marketing isn't important, but especially in times like we're living in now, there are much more important things, which makes me in much more, uh, I would say, impactful things to the, to the world, so to, so to speak. Um, but I do feel incredibly lucky to have found a career where I am uh, I'm very happy. I'm sure you, you know, you guys have said you guys are happy. I, I would hope as, as well. Uh, and we're not doing like, we're just doing really cool stuff, but at the yep. same time, anytime, anytime I need to be brought back to earth, Brian tells me, Jake, you're not curing cancer. You're just doing SEO. <laughs> and I'm like, yep, you're, you're right. You're right, Brian. We have several uh, nurses in the family, uh, nurse practitioners yeah. on my wife's side, uh, her siblings. And like, yeah, like the amount of like stress to working hours to like comp packages, like, no, thank you. Like you're, yeah. I agree, you're a better person than me and your job is way more stressful. And like, I would explode yeah. or crush like a grape, right? Like, so more power to you, more power to you, all the power to you, right? Like, <laughs> So, so Dan, how did you uh, get to local SEO guide? Where did, where did that start? Where did it come from? What's it like uh, working there? Yeah. So I was in-house like almost exclusively in the beginning. I lived in LA at the time. Um, and then we, my wife and I wanted to, we just got married, wanted to buy a house um, and 
prices in Orange County versus Los Angeles are like a giant, like a world of difference. Um, I'm from yeah. Orange County too. So it, like I have family here. And so um, not as many brands or in-house like startup opportunities in OC as there would be in LA. And so I wanted to switch agency side because there was like agency side opportunities here. And so um, kind of had done that, made it a point to start meeting people. Um, I had met Andrew, uh, uh, Andrew Shotland, CEO and founder of Local SEO Guide somewhere along the way uh, through, through like commenting on his blog, um, Mike Blumenthal's blog, met him through like, uh, this is before like I was really on Twitter. I was like not one of the early SEO Twitter adopters. Um, so I met them through blog comments. And then Andrew approached me one day about getting a referral to help him start up his like from being a solo consultant to having an agency. And I was like, oh no, you should just hire me. And we started chatting and that was that. That's the, that's the, that's the local SEO guide origin story, or at least my involvement in it, not Andrew's. He has uh, his own. I, I find it interesting that you got a job through blog commenting. Hell yeah. I've hired people through Twitter. Like Twitter is like my number one recruiting strategy these days. It's amazing. Like I get referrals through to my, my, um, my head of content um, was a referral through Twitter. Um, uh, went to college with David Levitt and uh, John Henry. Um, used to do work for John Henry. Um, got referred to you by those guys from me on Twitter. Met a bunch of other people that we've hired on Twitter. Taylor Berg, our director of client services, met her on Twitter. Yeah, it's the best. It's the best. You can That's bet funny. people that, that want to be at your shop, right? And like you know yeah. what they think and they know what you think and there's not as much of a disconnect on like how things happen, right? It's, it's, it's transparent. I like it. it it's funny. I, I didn't get a job because uh, I was told that uh, for the position that I was applying for, I did not have enough Twitter followers to, to get it. And I was like, really? I mean, I like handle like 30 clients in a row. And, like to have all That's these the results. Worst thing ever. Yeah. Yeah. It was a very high end uh, SEO guy that in a very big industry that, you know, runs a pretty big company. So it was interesting. Uh, it was an interesting comment. And it actually made me like start thinking, like, do I really need to take Twitter more seriously? <laughs> um, no. But I, I, think he also, I think he also meant, like, I'm not out there speaking. I'm not out there representing and, and things like that. And for someone who's going to be, like, their top SEO, he wanted that type of things. And instead of saying, I, you know, this is stuff that you know, you're, you're kicking ass over here, but we can work on this side. He was just like, oh, you know, I don't think you have enough uh, following for, for the position I want, so. That's, I thought it was kind of interesting. And that's why I give Jeff shit about his number of Twitter followers all the time. And the funny thing was the person he ended up hiring had less of a following than me. What? And still does. So. It, it, it's like you could give people give people good research and that are competent at their jobs and understand SEO and they can talk about it and explain it to other people. They can develop a following and sell things. Yeah. yeah the, uh, yeah. The funny thing about Twitter is like, I agree, Twitter is a great place right now for SEO conversation. And it seems to be where most SEOs uh, play, not so much on Facebook, although, you know, Facebook 10 years ago was was kind of a cool place to be and blogs, uh, you know, 10 to, to five to 10 years ago were the, the place to be and, and communicate and Twitter for a while has been, has been that, uh, that place. But part of me also wonders if 
we we as SEOs are falling a little bit behind uh, in terms of the different the different platforms like uh, you know whether it be Insta or like TikTok or what I, whatever. Uh, and if it's just a sign that we're all just old and and using like the the grandpa platform or the grandma platform, uh, you know when it when it comes to thinking about new people entering the the industry part of me wonders if they realize the seo twitter is so vibrant right now and maybe there's like a a younger segment of the population that's getting into seo and they're doing like doing it on tiktok and doing it somewhere else and part of me always wonders is it the right it's a good platform but are we ever at risk of falling behind if we only seo talk on that platform on twitter for i think example. i'm going to come out with an seo dance for tiktok and i'll make all the seos do it right it's gonna be a hit there's this woman um she's a digital pr in the uk i forget her name but i can find it after this but she has dropped a couple of amazing tiktoks on getting like no follow links from major news publisher like when you get a link from a major news publisher but it's a no follow and stuff like that it's 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 quite amazing content um we can talk about this at the end when we do the, the the local deep dive, but I'm actually a big proponent of Insta. And I think that there are like a lot of people in the space that do miss and misunderstand Insta's kind of primacy with a certain demographic and a certain market for, for mm-hmm. certain services and versus Google or whatever. It doesn't, it doesn't matter. Um, yeah. And I, I think I agree with you. I think people, people sleep on the Insta like crazy, like crazy. Yep. Yeah. When I think of it, I'm like, people don't want to see more pictures of me. Maybe maybe that's important. I don't know. I don't know. I just, I, you know, I, it never has occurred to me that I need to maybe some, someday consider moving over to other platforms. And I'm like another platform to manage. I can barely handle the ones I I do now. now. Yeah. I think it's as good for depending on your subject too. But uh, I mean, if you're a small business and, you know, selling things like coffee or doing things like that. Like definitely people, as you scroll up, if you have something interesting, you have like a short video about it. I think there's a lot you can do with it. Um, when I used to do like focused a lot more on flying drones and stuff like that, I was like, I got way more people liking and sharing my Instagram 15 second videos than the full length versions on like YouTube or anything like that. So, um, so Insta was really great. And hashtags worked really good on there too for me. So you put in a couple of hashtags and, Next thing you know, I had like 400 likes and I'm like, wow, that's awesome. <laughs> Business specific COVID updates, Insta has by far been the best platform. It's not even close because you can make any visual you want to as long as it's an image and put it out with a text post and have it represent mm-hmm. your business, right? So you can update it with hours and things like that and in the bio profile all the time. So it has just been been far and away better than things like Google and other platforms. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, one of my favorites and that I always use, that I specifically like, follow on Insta as businesses or local breweries and uh, beer bars because they put out whatever is new on tap. They make it so that you can order. It, it just, it, it's an easy flow of, of consuming the menu and getting the most up-to-date pieces of information, right? Maybe, maybe not for buying like SaaS software or whatever, but like, you know, you can't win them all. Yeah, I could see, uh, I could definitely see where uh, the more visual uh, the, where businesses that that need to put that out and tend to align a little bit more with the specifics of the platform, with Insta being a little bit more visual in nature, I can definitely see the uh, the utility uh, versus yeah. my own personal personal brand and availability to to handle it all. <laughs> totally, yeah. you know, love them or hate them. Like I, I 
you know, Gary Vaynerchuk, Gary V, whatever you want to call Gary him. Gary V. Uh, he is, I mean, he's everywhere. He's on every platform everywhere. So, but I do love to see how he like kind of sends the same message, but the way he formats it, or at least his team formats it, because I don't think he's there formatting. Hustling, man. Different ways. Too busy hustling. He's too busy hustling, but he's got a, like just the way he formats his messages for Instagram compared to Snapchat, compared to Facebook, compared to Twitter. It's like, it's basically the same message, but he chops it up differently and has different, stories so like on something like facebook he's been doing these like tea with gary v like live videos but then on he'll chop some things he set up and then put it over on instagram and then he'll do something different on, on another platform and it's interesting how he one i don't know how he has any time to do any of this stuff i guess when you record yourself 24 hours a day you get enough content on it but he's um it has so much like the way he breaks it apart and again he's focusing on social out of all this stuff. So, um, but I kind of, I use him as like, how would businesses sell themselves? And basically he sells himself as a business. So it's kind of like this kind of that way, but he's an interesting character to follow. I know a lot of people don't find him, find him, you know, annoying and and things like that. Um, And I'm not saying anything about his device. Yeah. I think he's akin to uh, you just, made me think of Neil Patel within the SEO, SEO industry. Um, I think that there are some people that just like they're turned off to, um, to Neil, uh, turned off to, to Gary. And obviously Gary's incredibly successful, uh, by traditional standards, but there are people that with the message of work 80 hours a week and bro hustle and do all that stuff that that does turn off. And I can see that too. Yeah. Um, he definitely is a good example of a marketing yeah. shop though. Right. And sure. the, the, pr- the process around it for sure. Right. That's a hundred percent. Like, you know, people don't kind of grok that about Vayner media. Right. But it's just a hundred percent, uh, new media chop shop. Right. And yep. it's easy, easy to much like Neil Patel. Right. And it's easy to do when you have somebody that can bring in that level of lead volume. And so, you know, it's the, 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 the way that they create the lead volume, obviously like they're the, kind of prime people at doing that right like if i had as much lead volume as neil patel right like man be a richer man yeah that's right yeah maybe you just hit that 45 year old goal well maybe y'all go online and follow their how-to guides and you could get rich quick yeah exactly um so before we move on to to the news um dan I, i i always like to ask this question just to kind of make it real and bring it like down to down to earth. So what have been some of your biggest challenges uh, maybe recently or maybe historically uh, with being an SEO, working on local, um, working with clients, uh, anything big, big challenges that you've run across? Yeah, I would say that like my challenges are rarely would rarely be kind of about particular SEO problems. It's like taking a remote SEO organization from two people to 15 people, building internal processes, hiring, building technical SEO infrastructure, that kind of stuff, right? Like I think that a lot of the honestly, like a lot of client challenges are, are probably some of the or the SEO problems are some of the easier challenges in SEO, right? And it's like all the other stuff about like running an SEO business, building an SEO business. That's really, that's the stuff that I struggle with most of the time. I don't know about you guys. So, well, yes and yeah, yes and, and, and no. Um, 
there are days where clients sometimes make me want to pull my hair hair out, but there are definitely definitely days where I'm like, you know what, that is, that is an easy problem to, to solve. And I, I am one of those that I, I personally, I had to liken myself to like use a, using a sports analogy. Like I've been a player for a long time. Right. But I, and, and that's satisfying, right. There's, there's, um, a certain amount of like adrenaline rush that comes in when you've seen a client implement a recommendation and it's worked and it's driven them more traffic and more business. And that's like, that's the part in SEO that hooked me uh, way back in the beginning. But like over the course of my career where I feel like I've gotten more fulfillment personally and professionally has been not necessarily being on the front lines, so to speak, working with clients and getting into the day-to-day details, but almost like working behind the scenes to build the infrastructure with which team members can grow and the team can grow and go to market and things, uh, things like that. That for me has been uh, more fulfilling than anything. And Jeff, I don't know how you, how you feel. Yeah, no, it's uh, <laughs> it is interesting. Where like I I do love, and I've been in SEO for a while. I've been working kind of client side in an agency my whole life, um, at least for the last twenty years. Um, started off kind of doing design, went into development, um, and then moved into like accessibility and SEO. And and the one thing that I like find the most with it, with it all is, um, as much as I like, I sometimes want to. Um, you know, pull my hair out, which I think I have because I have no hair. Um, with, with with sometimes the it clients like migrating to your chin. Yeah, I just like, but I it's like I I love it. I love when I like have a great relationship with the client. I mean, some of my clients I work with now, I've been with for like four or five years, and you know they're they're you know again we're showing results, which is great. But even those times where we don't show the results or whatever, we have that partnership there, and and the partnership between things is what I really really do enjoy with a lot of the work that I do. So. so, so Dan, knowing that your problems aren't traditional SEO problems, they're more almost the behind the scenes uh, uh, problems that maybe your regular day-to-day SEO doesn't think about, I guess, dis- describe how you've gone about, you know, building a team, crafting kind of a go-to-market strategy and approach and how you've kind of built a framework for local SEO guide and like what that's, what types of heartburn or what successes you feel like you've had as you've done that? Because that is, I think, a little bit of a different SEO problem than we've talked about with most guests. Most of what we talk about is very tactical or strategic and rarely, although we've talked a little about team building and things like that, do we talk about the construction of an organization? Yeah. So like I, I generally am trying to like kind of function and build out teams as like we go through them as like the service offerings or product offerings become part of our business. 
So like a good example is like for the past couple of years, my big focus has been around like our technical SEO programming capabilities, just like auditing and strategic stuff, as well as content and link building on like an execution end, right? Um, I, I don't mention any local SEO stuff because like I feel like we've had that from, from day one. Uh, I, I brought that kind of, cap- I, I worked before working with Andrew, my one agency side gig was working at a, a, a running SEO for an agency that had 12,000 locations on the, the local end, or 12,000 businesses on the local end, not locations. And so that was kind of easy to get scaled out at first. And then it was the content and link building stuff because those are real challenges and really critical to kind of having a functioning like SEO capability. And right now, like what 2020 has been for me is we hi- we made our first full-time dev hire um, at the end of last year and has been building out our, our kind of technical operations capabilities. Nice. So working on building our like... Um, I've kind of talked about this a little bit um, uh, in a, a thing, uh, the virtual con event that uh, Dan Taylor and Salt Agency had a couple of years ago, but working on building out our internal like automation capabilities and business, like business efficiency processes, right? Like, so Python, learning Python right now is like super hot, right? Like scaling automation, all that stuff is like super trendy. And that's because SEUs have to like, do all of that stuff themselves or work in-house in roles that are like not well supported or funded or work agency side where there's no centralization of resources that they can pool, right? Like they do that. They learn Python to like be mediocre devs because they have to, not because it's like the best thing for the organization or clients, right? And so I want to solve that problem for us. And that's like my big 2020 goal is getting all of that stuff kind of consolidated and centralized so that we can like kind of all work to scale our SEO operations and tech while not like having it centralized instead of all kinds of people doing random stuff. I don't know if that makes any sense, but that's like my big challenge in life right now. It makes a lot of sense. And I feel like we're uh, within our company going through the the same thing where we're trying to solve some of the same problems you are, but just due to the the nature of the the beast and working on a, on an agency, like everything is very, um, externally, externally focused. And when it comes to trying to focus on ourselves and make ourselves more efficient, uh, and, um, figure out how we can scale offerings. Like we don't have, for example, the benefit of a developer who could build something out like, like that. So we've got to be scrappy and figure out not because we love and want to learn Python, uh, but we've got to figure out how we can make ourselves more efficient, uh, and we're a data centric company. So figuring out how we can kind of fulfill that from a brand standpoint and make sure that we integrate that into everything that we do. Um, and not only that, like we've got data literally coming out the ears and uh, one person could spend days and days and days, or we, you know, one person can spend days and days and days doing an audit. And we're trying to figure out with our limited amount of time, how can we take that audit from 30 hours of human time to 15 hours of human time, but still get the same level of input and insights and what needs to be in place in order to to do that. And those are, I think, challenges for um, a lot of agencies and even, even in-house definitely challenges building those constructs. Not an easy, not an easy thing to do. Yeah. When I worked at uh, Razorfish back in 2007, eight ish area, the, I moved, I was a web developer moved over to the SEO team, but the one thing the SEO team had there, which was great was um, we had like a small dev team because back then 
there weren't really many ranking tools. There weren't really many, like, you know, there was no deep crawl. There was nothing like that. So we actually had a team that would build those tools out for us, which was, it was awesome. The, like thinking about it now, cause I would love to have that now. Right. And, and I feel like now we kind of just use tools, you know, screaming frogs awesome for, you know, a hundred euros a year. You have like an amazing tool, but, um, one thing they built back then, which I always remember was we had a distributed system through a screensaver that did all our rankings. So we did, so we asked everyone at that time, Razorfish was pretty big. Um, they had like people all around the country and we put it out there and had every, as many people as we could install a screensaver on their computer. And when their computer wasn't being used, we can run rankings through their computers. So that was kind of like fun things that we did in the past. Now you have proxy servers and systems out there and, and ranking tools are pretty cheap these days depends which one to use, but, um, but yeah, but it was cool building some of those tools. And I see that now moving towards the data side. Um, I mean, instead of doing the scraping and pulling that out, it's like, how do we take all these different data sources and get some information out of it? Exactly. Yeah. How do you aggregate data, store it and report on it? And so like, that was like our first kind of thing that we decided on was like our stack. We, we, we decided a Google stack because uh, BigQuery is like affordable, like in terms of scaling the infrastructure very, very powerful yeah. plugs into Google, all of Google's tools and also plugs into data studio really easily. And so like we have like a stack now that we can build tools inside like SQL library queries. If we want to do like Jupyter notebooks into a data stack, we have like a thing to do it on, right? Like it just makes it so that you can start to build out a system. Yep. Cool. So let's jump into news a little bit. Um, I, it's interesting. So um, Google just came out and announced that Google Shopping is going to be free again. It was it used to be free, and then they made it into a paid like PLA services. Um, and it was funny because it's the first time I heard a term in a while, frugal, <laughs> um, because they, they totally remember seeing the frugal logo and stuff in the back. But um, Google announced that its shopping is now free. That means that um, anyone, like a e-commerce base, can upload their their feeds into the Google Shopping, and um, we were always able to do that, but they wouldn't display it over the paid people, of course. So now they're going to make it all free where um, I believe no one, like there is no paid version of it um, right now, um, which was good for kind of right now, like the paid shopping feeds kind of went into the paid media world. Um, but now I feel like uh, SEOs in a way can start taking back some of those feeds and making an you know, organic function. Um I'm not sure what you guys feel about it or, or, or things in there, but I think it's really good for the e-commerce world to kind of level the playing field. Yeah, this is another instance of Google. Google's been kind of on fire lately in terms of um, doing things, in, especially in light of COVID-19, that make people's lives easier. And they're, as an organization, sometimes they do talk out of both sides of their mouth, and sometimes they are a little bit like the the evil empire. And uh, recently, I've been pleased with um, the way that they've been handling things. And this is just another example. Like people's lives are hard right now, and um, everybody is is to some degree suffering. Even Google uh, is to some degree suffering as a as a company. Um, but it is nice to see that. Uh, somebody uh, of their size uh, doing doing their best in many cases to inform the public. Uh, and we'll get into that with local and also uh, to alleviate, uh, you know, areas where they could be making a profit and um, cash strapped businesses right now have a way to advertise their 
their products without having to pay. And the other question I was going to ask is uh, because this has been, you know, you know, moved over to like paid search. It's been for me out of sight, out of mind. Does this mean, does this mean this is, this is, this is SEO's thing again? Do you all feel like this is long-term? So I kind of have like a question here, right? Cause my immediate initial thought was that like, um, I want to go after paid search budget budgets on shopping ads because uh, paid search agencies that are charging a percent of ad spend there are now way over leveraged and billing terribly for uh, the what, what they can get there versus us who can do it for cheap and align it with the e-commerce side, mm-hmm. right? Like the organic e-commerce side. So it's like, great, that's an amazing opportunity for SEOs. Um, and when I said that on Twitter, some paid people said that it wasn't fully organic now and in fact would still be primarily paid ads at first. But in the post, they said it would be, they literally used the word primarily, I believe, and referred to it as primarily organic. And so, like, I I haven't checked it out. I've been too busy to dive into it. We're trying to get feeds right now, actually, from clients rather than, like, see what the SERP looks like. Um, but, But I'm curious if you guys have seen how that plays out. Like, is it all organic or is it a mix? You know, and that's how I am. I, I think they didn't, they weren't super specific and I'm looking at the article now and um, right. They use terms like primarily and um, things like that, but they were trying to look now, but yeah, I, I'm wondering how it comes through inside of analytics also. Like, is it going to come through as like organic shopping or is it just going to come through as shopping? Um, how are and, they going to yeah, order yeah. them? Right. How are they going to order the shopping results if they ordered them by paid previously? Right. And so quality was handled by bidding. Right. And all of that paid stuff that's gone now yeah. is what the organic algorithm is going to get plugged into the organic algorithm. How are they going to order them? That is yeah. I have no idea. I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to pretend like I know. I have, I have no-, no idea. No idea. <laughs> yeah. And they don't really mention that in the article itself. Sounds so. like a good test. When in doubt, um, yeah, they say like search results on Google Shopping tab will consist primarily of free listings, helping merchants better connect. Um, so yeah, so the ones that aren't free, do they rank first, or, or are they going to do like a a normal paid where they put like maybe the top three or four are paid ones, and then everything else that that way would be organic? Um, yeah, I guess we'll find out in the next coming weeks, as they say. Yeah, and and either way, like it's it's a deviation from where things were before. So like. Sounds like at least uh, they're throwing a bone to some degree to e-commerce, e-commerce shops and, and folks that yeah. are trying to put their products online. So at, at minimum, despite all the semantics, it seems like a good move. Agree. Yeah. yeah. I Sorry, go ahead, Jeff. No, no, I I think it's a, a, a good move for them regardless, right? They're opening up something uh, and giving more merchants yeah. the ability to play in their ecosystem. Mm-hmm. Agreed. I think it's, we were only seeing the people had money for PLAs in the past. Um, Most small companies did not, but yet there was tons of small companies that sell some decent things. So I think uh, it's great that way. PLAs always perform well for my clients that have, you know, I I would always like cringe when they were going to do PLAs from an SEO side because I'm like, 
you're going to take some of my traffic now because your paid is one thing. I think people can skip over that, but when you actually see the picture of the product and you click that, like it, it just makes you want to click it. And I don't care if I have star reviews to make my, you know, link my organic link more clickable. I think a, a picture is going to be um, a lot better to click. So I think that's one of those things that it's going to be um, interesting to see how it goes, but I think it's going to help everybody out. So. I, don't, I don't click those out of principle out of pure spite. Cause they're paid. But now if they're organic, <laughs> pure spite on my part. <laughs> I, I use the right-hand product sidebar, right? Like when that gives you the particular knowledge panel for a product with all like the reviews yep. in it and stuff, I'll use that because that's actually, I think I find that to be a really fantastic paid integration. Yeah. Yeah. Sweet. And then, um, so the next kind of news article is kind of uh, a good segue into the local SEO topic to begin with. But um I've always had questions about Yext and um, good or bad. Like I, I've never personally been in the Yext interface. I have, um, you know, I have clients that use Yext and, and I kind of ask like, but the clients that I work directly with there have nothing to do with it because another team is actually doing the local side of their stuff. Um, but like Spark came out and they said they have the Yext replacement service now. Um, I guess it was something that they packaged together from things that they've had done before. Um, but it's, they say it's like a one-time fee rather than a recurring fee. You own your listings instead of renting the listings. Um, complete and proper listing cleanup. And you focus on the most important sites. And, and what I've learned from, you know, things like Yext is that I know they submit to like 5 million websites and who needs like a particular, you know, like I don't ever go to, you know, nebraskayellowbook.com, you know, to, to find something out. I'm always going to the big ones. Like I use my, like I use an Apple phone. So like Apple Maps or Google Maps or, or you know, just ask Alexa or Siri on that. And I, I don't know how important it is to be in all those ones there, but definitely um, White Spark seems like they have a, a service now that kind of, replace, I guess, what you can get from Yext at, at a cheaper rate. Um, and that's kind of, Dan, where I wanted to kind of move this conversation into the local side of things because I think uh, Jake and I have a ton of questions because we're not ultra-local SEOs. Um, and I know you do more than that, but it's, um, you know, working at a company called Local SEO Guide. <laughs> I figured we, we would, could dive into some of these SEO topics. Well, let's yeah. Let's let's quickly before we do that. Let's pour one out. This is the last segment of the uh, of the season. Let's pour one out oh, yeah. for our for our homies. Our metaphorical beers we're pouring out. Our forties we're pouring them out right now. Uh, yeah. So all right, proceed. Sorry, just had to just had to reference that last segment of the season. Go. So just just to give like a disclaimer up top um, that Yex has been a client of ours previously. We've done work on various of their products, blah, 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 blah. All that being said, um, I am like, and I'm very transparent with about this. I don't think businesses, especially large brands, should be paying uh, very much money at all for citation services, right? Like, I think that the discussion of like owning your listing versus renting it is like good marketing uh, from Darren and his team over at Whitespark. But you don't own your Google My Business listing if you have it claimed. Google owns your Google My Business listing. You don't own your Yelp listing, even if you have it claimed. Yelp owns your Yelp listing, right? And so you just have a different way of getting into it and will it be like cheaper than an ongoing uh, agreement with totally negotiate it lower mm -hmm. if you and if you have like 10,000 locations right like one time things don't really help you in a world of like 
like that we're in right now, right? With COVID-19, our constant hour changes and all this kind of stuff, right? And so, right. you know, um, large brands, right? Uh, top 10 retailers, they need their own solutions for these, whether it's like their, their own programmatic solution via the Google My Business API, Facebook API, et cetera, paid relationships with Yelp or using something like Yext. Um, but most businesses could invest their listings money likely on link building or content or developing their infrastructure, speeding up their site or whatever. I feel like the benefit of a service like Yext and Yext is very, um, expensive for those of you that don't know. It's like, I'm, I'm not saying it's like a better or worse service, but like there, there are a couple of um, players, whether it be WhiteSpark, Moz Local, Yext, uh, all kind of playing in the same space, which is uh, aggregation and, and bulk submission and allowing you to manage your local listings in like 8 million different places from one, uh, one panel. And out of all of the options available, at least from what I've seen, uh, Yext seems like the, um, uh, what is it? I'm trying to think of like a really good car. I'm not a car guy. Uh, some of these other services seem like the Honda option and Yext seems like the Lexus or Mercedes option from like a cost, uh, a cost standpoint. Yet I'm often left wondering what they really do that is that much better. And not only that, I will say like with this white, Scale, I, just so you know, the answer is yeah. scale, right? Like there's okay. nothing, like the, 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 nobody does anything better here, right? Like, right. And all, again, my two, my two cents, right? And, yeah. and we generally try to convince people out of trying to pay us to do citation management or whatever. Yeah. There's just better use, uses of the budget, right? But if you're a large brand that has to manage a lot of information and keep it correct, then that real-time scale, like that is particularly um, like a Yext or an Uberall solution, right? Like it requires mm -hmm. a, a development infrastructure, right? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and um, I was going to give kudos uh, to WhiteSpark for uh, being uh, uh, I can't think of the word. I, we, anytime I go to uh, brands and say, you've got an opportunity to really compare your product against somebody else. And there's a lot of organic search traffic for whatever reason, they're all, they always seem to be uh, apprehensive about saying my brand versus competitor brand. Here's where I'm better because for whatever reason, they, I don't, I don't know why I can never imagine why. So I do commend white spark for, uh, kind of taking the the killer instinct here with <laughs> with respect to just going right right after it, um, whether or not their product is is any better or whether or not this is truly a replacement uh, yeah. solution is probably all marketing marketing speak. Um, yeah. So, so the one thing to know have is they, that the oh sorry, go ahead, Jeff. Go for it. I was say the two clients that I have that use Yex both have like over thousands over a thousand like brick and mortar. Yeah. Stores. Yeah, yeah, and and that's one. Of, they just it's all automated, right? They, that's one reason why, like, as an SEO, I don't get my hands on that because it's all automated. It's built into their system. If a store owner changes their hours, it goes through, and and then the X updates mm -hmm. it throughout the system. So exactly, it's all automated. Yeah, and, and and so you know, I think that that's like um the the one kind of value of any of these like tools um though uh jacob to tell you like the people in the local seo space will like crap over yext at like the drop of a hat it's like the yes. funny the, like they I they will 
Yeah, it's like anybody, that, that may be true for most things in the SEO space, but in the local SEO space, anytime anybody can be like Yext versus me, they're always like, no, we're better than Yext. It's like yeah. the thing. Um, yeah. It's very funny. Oh, and, I, and I ask everyone when they say like, oh no, we don't use Yext. And I say, why? And they're like, well, it's really expensive. I'm like, well, what if my, like paid search could be really expensive, but yet my clients do it all the time. Paid search is temporary. Paid search is... Um, you know, it, it could be expensive depending in the market that you're in. But if I am a, you know, a fast food, you know, with thousands, you know, 10,000 locations, I think uh, they're not worried about that money as much as trying to do it with Moz Local or someone where you're in there, like trying to save money. And if someone has to go through and edit all those individually, like being able to integrate into a big system like X, I think can really save time and, and maybe money at the end. Once it's automated, it's automated at that point. I mean, things like organizations like Allstate, right, that are insurance companies that have constantly changing practitioners, right, like organizations like Ford or Toyota that have to pay for services for co-marketing programs, right? There's like all kinds of stuff other than like that. Like I agree, the, the, like a, a local, regional, like smaller, medium-sized business likely has very little to gain by spending with Yax, yeah. right? Um, they, could, they could likely just manage their GMB, buy a review software, right? Like integrate a review program and then just, letting their customers do their marketing for them. You know what I mean? Rather mm -hmm. than roll some magic trick. So, yeah. so, so let's back it out of the Yext conversation and let's get um, a little bit more basic. Um, and, and this is where I'm going to, I'm going to fully raise, raise, raise my hand. Um, I, I, I think it is uh, SEO is one of those things where there, it, there are little subspaces and sub disciplines uh, many uh, within the space uh, of just broad SEO. And I've always said that while as a practitioner, you almost have to be able to play at least a little bit in each and every one, that it's difficult to be a master of every single uh, facet of SEO. And that it's usually good if you have one or two niches where your niches, where you're really, uh, really strong. And I'm going to, I'm going to raise my hand and admit that this is one of my areas where I'm not that, not that strong. It's just not been a, an area where I've had a, either a passion to focus and the clients, cause I don't get to choose my clients as, as, as an agency. It would be nice if I did, but I don't, uh, don't tend to align towards having significant local presences. So over my career, it's, it's either not been my pr uh, primary focus or it's been a situation where clients that I've worked on that do have big local presences, they're either managing it in house or have somebody else managing it. So it's never been my purview. I've never been forced to, uh, to get down and, you know, down and dirty into every single detail of local, which I think is perfectly okay. And for those people that like feel like you have to be good at everything. No, no, you don't. You can be successful in SEO without knowing every single thing. So I'm raising my hand and saying, I don't know. I don't know nearly as much as Jeff or Dan when it comes to local. So I want to back this up and say, if you're approaching, uh, you know, it could be a small business, a medium business or a large business, and they need local SEO advice, where do you start? So this is going to be my Dan local SEO rant, right? And this is like my, my big, my big thing in the local space recently. So, um, 
When you say that you don't have a lot of local experience, my guess is what you mean is you mean you don't have a lot of Google My Business or citation specific experience. You, most people, that's what they mean. They may mean they don't have like localized organic search experience, but they don't necessarily mean that, right? They mean they don't have the GMB and citation component of it. But the local organic component of search is such a more important aspect of SEO these days than like what's going on on GMB and your domain and all of the stuff happening on your domain, drive your Google My Business rankings much more than anything else does these days and way more than things like citations do. And so like having experience, like my local SEO experience comes primarily from working on things like, like large massive directories or like aggregator sites that sell like used cars or, you know, um, online marketplaces that do like food delivery or stuff like that, right? Like we also do the like multi-location brands, but like local SEO guide is a brand name actually comes from working, Andrew has worked a ton on directories and local publications and it comes from the localized organic component of it. And so I think that there has been a a long misnomer for a long time that people don't understand local SEO because they don't get GMB. But that is like such an irrelevant part of, or a smaller part of local SEO these days. Like, I don't know if you guys know um, Jared McKiernan, um, uh, uh, SEO on Twitter, uh, dude in the space. I would consider him one of the most brilliant SEOs knows nothing about GMB, uh, does SEO for DoorDash now. Um, or uh, Tyler Reardon, who used to do SEO for CarMax, again, knows nothing about GMB, but a brilliant person when it comes to understanding like localized organic search and SEO, right? But not like I, they know a lot more than about me than a lot of those topics, right? And have driven, made millions and millions of dollars for huge brands on, you know, geo plus query searches, right? And so... I, I, that's my, my, my rant in terms of like most people when they think about local SEO don't think about it holistically enough and they're leaving like tons and tons and tons of money on the table Yeah, and I but think for it, themselves I think and clients. I think you're right. Uh, and my commentary was absolutely specifically to the GMB uh, platform and platforms like GMB within other, uh, other search engines or other sites. But one, uh, one area where, where I do definitely work and people, you're right, people do forget is your own website, right? If you're a big, uh, a big brand uh, that does maybe a lot of e-commerce, but you also have a brick and mortar presence, like local SEO also means local SEO on your website too. And you're right. It also means tracking e-commerce transactions through GMB, right? Like this is a huge thing we push for our uh, like large, um, uh, like top X, whatever, blah, 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 retail, like brand retailers is people will do brand searches, right? They'll want, they'll, they'll like click on a knowledge panel for a physical location to like go to the location and see the hours. And then they'll like start clicking around and buy things. Like, why aren't you racking that as a, tra a, a transaction and revenue that comes in through your channel? Like you put that thing there, you own it, right? And that's just like, mm -hmm. a, like there's enough revenue that you can drive and show just through tracking e-com transactions through like branded searches on GMB to get the carve off budget to pay for like an entire local program. You know what I mean? And so like... Um, so many brands have don't like, like the, the having a locator, right. And a page per location for all of like the different locations they want to target. Didn't have that for the longest time. Right. Like, and we're focusing on GMB dude, build out your freaking location pages. Right. And then the GMB win is your like Los Angeles G like GMB location has a local landing page on it. Right. Like, so ranks better, more revenue, better user experience, right? Just like it's marketing, right? Not just SEO. It's 
good marketing. So, so outside of just the, the rant, is that the advice that you would give from a local SEO standpoint when you start with most people or like are most people's problems when they engage different than that? No, most people like, so honestly, like most brands, their SEO problems is that their sites are, their local SEO problems is that their sites are technically broken or that they aren't going after to have like, like they don't have the keywords on the page, right? Like they don't have the information architecture or the pages or content to target what they want to rank for, where they want to rank for it. And like, I mean, you know, large organizations getting all of that stuff done, the cost, budgeting, implementation is the is a huge problem there, right? And so that's usually like like they have easy wins like that. Medium-sized businesses, it's usually like the opposite, right? They've had like a gajillion different local SEOs and done a gajillion different things and they just need somebody to be like you have all of the stuff consolidate it down to what works and like shed things, you know what I mean? Like they have a they've gone through medium-sized businesses in this space have gone through so many SEO vendors, whether it's like local or organic, you know what I mean? Um, And, um, you know, one question I I always get and one thing that we almost always see, it's it's actually two. Um, And Jeff kind of touched on it earlier. Uh, One of the big features of these aggregators is I'm going to submit you to everywhere. Uh, Well, okay, that's great. But how many people are really on Yellow Pages, California? So like, is that something that, that matters? That's question one. And then two is we're going to make sure all of your information is consistent uh, and up-to-date and accurate. And I understand in, today, in today's climate, I totally understand having up-to-date and accurate information. And not only that, but like consistent naming and whatever. But like uh, things that like, for example, a Moz Local points out is that your business name is like, slightly different on this site versus another site. And I'm like, is that really going to move the needle? Like the basic NAP consistent or name, address, phone information, consistency stuff. Um, So part of me wonders, you know, when, when we do that type of work and cleanup, is it really worth it? And does it really move the, the needle for most businesses? I, I don't think so personally, at least not in terms of a marketing or acquisition metric, right? And so this is like, I think one of the problems is that like, I don't disagree with like the automated listings management and citation management from like a brand perspective, but I don't think marketers should be paying for it out of their acquisition budgets because it doesn't do anything for their metrics at the end of the day, right? Whether you're an agency or an in-house person, you're paying a ton of money for something that doesn't, that doesn't drive the, move the needle for you at all, right? And so this is like one of those things that just needs to move over to like customer support or some other non-acquisition based uh, budget, right? Because like you're saying, it's important from a customer experience perspective, but from an SEO perspective, from an acquisition perspective, 1%, right? Like just to give you a number. No, and that's kind of where I, I have one client who is doubling down with, with a company like Yext and, you know, doing all the citation stuff was great, but they're also, I guess Yext offers a service and not to keep harping on Yext, but they offer a service where they're, they build local landing pages um, on your website. So they are, they currently have landing pages on their site for all, every location. They're just not very good. And I've been fighting that battle to like, we need to update these pages. We need to get some more information on them. We need to, you know, yada, yada, yada. And then they came back um, recently, the team that does work with Yext, um, they're going to take all their, local pages off their webs off their 
um, local domain and going into a subdomain, which will be like locations.domain.com. And that's all going to be like a Yex CMS now. So to integrate with Yex that way. Um, and they say they're going to be able to get a lot more of this information on there. But um, I, I, my first thing with them was like, hey, I, I'd rather not have it on a subdomain, rather have it as a subfolder, the way it currently is set up. Like we can, we can just build this out nicer and it wouldn't be as much time, but they don't want to manage it. So they are they're handing everything over to EX to do. Um, how, how do you feel like something like one, a service like that, I think Rio SEO does it also, where they build these like subdomains with all the, the store locations on them. Um, does it matter as much like, I know there's always the big battle, like should it be blog.domain or domain.com slash blog? Does that matter as much in the local space as it does in kind of your normal organic space? Yeah, I mean, it sounds like this organization did not do a good job in specking out their requirements when they went over to get the software. You know what I mean? Um, <laughs> and so, like, I like this is like I wouldn't trust anybody to build this stuff out without like the tight requirements. You know what I mean? Because then you're just going to get the development at the end of the day that's written towards the, they're, they're going to develop towards the spec they get, which is yep. if they don't know what they if the client doesn't know what they want, they're not going to put it in there, and you're not going to get anything out of it at the end. Yeah, I think they're putting all their eggs in the X basket. Like saying, Gex is it we're going to do this, and they're like, all right, you take it over. Yeah, I mean, this is like no different than organizations that work with like Bright Edge or Conductor and get that same yep. kind of treatment. You know what I mean? And it's, so the costs yeah. are astronomical. Um, you pay for the name versus the work. Um, you know, so I, I would be less concerned about subdomain versus subfolder versus the automated. Like, so I'm not a fan of automated updates just in general. Um, I don't care about mm-hmm. like, Yelp or anything like that, but none of our clients, I have like a rule, none of our clients have automated Google My Business Management, just like not a thing we, like if, if, if we can stop that, if we can like tell them no and they will listen, we will tell them no, right? Because it's so important and if a machine makes it do something poorly like that and nobody's checking it, you can, you'll lose more from the machine error than you will not being fast enough with a new piece of store hour, right? You just need the ability to like hit a button and push via the GMB API right away. You don't need it to be a, to run on like cron jobs or anything automated. Right. And, and so the, the, the domain running on that stuff too also would make me nervous, right? Because like what happens if you have like some weird naming collision between the provision like uh, hosting that like whatever the provider is, Yex, Bright Edge or anybody else, mm-hmm. the actual CMS, and now your title tags are all blank, right? Mm-hmm. And it has nothing to do with the, the system or what they're getting and everything to do with like just shoving two pieces of like disparate technology together. In those situations where, well, one, uh, you know, when you go from, you know, one of these big platforms where the, 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 the huge benefit is scale and quickness down to managing, uh, whether it be via an API or managing each platform, uh, you know, individually, uh, manually, um, how do you, how, how do you see? How do you scale doing it the the manual way when you're dealing with a a lot of locations? And do you ever find that when you're working with organizations where there's a lot of cooks in the kitchen, that that causes problems with people getting up or getting in? Maybe like if you work with uh, franchise owners, for example, and they get in and try to manage their own information and they maybe do it wrong. Is that ever a problem? So there's a difference between having a managed process and automation, right? And it happening automatically. And so when I say like hit a button to make everything go live, I mean, we can push 10,000 updates automatically via the GMB API all at 
once, but we don't want it to do it off of a get request or something to that feed, right? Just because somebody put something new there, we don't want it to happen. We want it to be a, a human controlled process at a certain point. And so that way, things like the auto updates, et cetera, like, like store hour updates and catastrophes can still happen and scale, but there's just a check on what makes something go live in the system. Um, the, the, like, just so you know, this is a, a kind of a, not prolific, but a non, um, non a normal problem with Google My Business in terms of having multiple things like Yext, Moz, rep.com, all these things plugged into GMB, various things, and then there's like a conflict of rules or one of the APIs is functioning improperly, and it's updating your information that you don't know without it like getting your consent on it, right? Because it's right in the system, it's happening right, at, it, it, it wrong on the output, and there's no transparency with Google, it's getting pushed there. And so like, as a, on the agency side, like, like, like we wanna be the one that like help man those keys for the client, right? So to make it mm -hmm. so that they can't like nuke their own thing via poor permissions, right? And work with them on like what, does permissioning look like? Because right. this all works better when brands do it themselves, right? They just don't know how. So, the, I, go ahead, Jeff. I was gonna say the one thing I noticed in, in with local over kind of your traditional organic is that there are different ranking factors, right? Like we we look into it as like location is one of them, right? If I'm searching for a pizza, um, of course they want to show me a pizza place that's or like where to buy pizza or where to order pizza. They want to show something that's closer. Um, what other kind of ranking factors that may be different in your traditional SEO are there besides like, you know, location in general? So in, in the pack results themselves, right? Like in GMB, the corpus of like the text of reviews matters a ton, uh, uh, just a ton. Um, so Google, if you like, I don't know if you've like played around with this recently, you can like go and search within reviews to pull out like reviews that are about a topic which just shows you that Google can like keyword mine reviews. Um, and then when you want to ask a question in uh, some of the FAQ, the Q and A's, uh, it will surface uh, reviews that answer that question. So not only can they search them, but they can match content with the reviews. So like, obviously they're using it in rankings, right? I mean, right. come on. Um, and I did this experiment where I like looked at, uh, I love Mexican food. And so like, I want to know why like, a why, why do Mexican, restaurants that all have like a ubiquitous menu rank for different like rank for different specialties and uh, of, of course restaurants that rank for burrito had a disproportionately high number of burrito references as a part of the corpus right not like they had 50 burrito references versus 75 like they had a hundred reviews, 90 of them were about burritos, right? Like they were more likely to rank for burritos. So shocker, right? And so like I would, I would work on that stuff, right? And that's also going to drive you revenue, right? That's going to get you customers and you're going to yeah. rank. Do you, do you think that there's any connection there? And not to say that small, every smaller, medium-sized business is this technologically savvy, but um, with things like schema and structured data. And I'm thinking like both local schema, as well as if you're using schema to say, Hey, my business specializes in burritos. Do you think that that helps on the local side at all? Yeah. I mean, I think that like having links with the anchor text 
that are burritos, right? Like that helps, right? And I think that having title tags or a page that has burrito content on it helps for sure, right? Um, I don't think that like having schema markup that says that you're about burritos helps per se, right? Because, you know, Google's really it filtering out all of these like, I say user, but I mean like business generated signals, the like self-serving signals, they try to filter all of those out, right? They try to get crowdsource signals. And so, you know, um, there are a million ways to get crowdsource signals about particular specialties that you have, right? You know, I never thought that uh, when we began season two that we would end it by talking about burritos, but I kind of like the direction we're going here. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Glad I like I could help. Um, <laughs> I think I've got two last questions and then I think we'll, uh, we'll wrap it up. Um, one, how hard do you scoff when clients come to you and ask you for a near me strategy? Oh my gosh. I love it. (laughs) I, I, so, so I, this is like five years ago, but I was like, for a while I played around with like how to exploit near me as like a ranking ability to rank for it. And so like, you could just put it in the, like 2015, you could just put it in the title tag and you'd rank for near me query, near me plus thing queries. And then this is when Miley Oye, I believe is how you pronounce her name was still at Google. And I was at state of search speaking on stage about this. And I'm like, look at this. You can just like stuff your keyword tag with your title tag with near me and rank for it. Look at all the brands that are doing it. And while I was doing that, she was staring daggers at me. Oh my God. Gosh, I have never <laughs> felt on the spot before. It was just like, it was brutal. So, so I love it. I love exploiting Google's like inability to do near me stuff. Just put it in the title tag. The, 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 all, the awkward part that I always found with near me is the, the semantic verbiage. Like, should I put near me in the title tag or should I put near you? Because I'm targeting you, not me. So I always got hung up and I'm like, that just sounds really stupid when it comes, when, if I'm the searcher and I'm looking for things near me, I would really want somebody to say burritos near you, dummy, not near me. I'm like, what are they talking to themselves? It's a little weird. This is why you got to test it though, right? Like, because right. It, 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 like, I, I agree with you and people get hung up on that all the time with the verbiage, right. but it, again, it surely works, which means that there's user validation, right? And so, you know, um, we, we got the internet that yeah. we all created, unfortunately. Yeah. <laughs> when, in doubt, when in doubt, test it. Um, okay. So my, so my last question, and then we'll end with the final question and I'll let Jeff do that is uh, it, it's uh, stemming from a question a client once asked me, and it is right along the lines of knocking somebody off. So it's perfect. It's perfect for our season finale and, and uh, coming to the, to the end. Uh, you said someone wasn't going to get knocked off. Right. Well, we're going to see. Um, so <laughs> with respect to local, and this client just asked me in general, if you had uh, five or I'm sorry, one SEO bullet in your gun, uh, what, what would that bullet be? And I would ask that question for local. If you had one big thing, just the one big thing that, that you find that moves the needle more than anything else, what advice would you give for that bullet, so to speak? Oh, it's the, the regular SEO bullet, get links. And how do you do, I guess, how do, how do you do that? How do you get local links? Links are hard. Any links, but yeah, local links would be, would be great. Um, so we have a, we don't, there's like the discussion on, do you want local links from local businesses? I think that that's like a 
good discussion to have. I am like anti-sponsorships because sponsorships are like a rental of a link. This is like getting way into link building, but um, right, right. you have to pay for it every year, right? So your link plot, like your link graph, link, link graph is a thing. It look, It's competitive with other client, like other sites that they all grow, right? Yours plateaus at the end. Uh, and having that same spend, then it goes down versus anybody else that's doing link building. They're just getting more and more and more and more and more links, right? So like the cumulative effect of it is much less effective, right? In terms of a dollar amount. And so, and it's not very scalable. So it's like a good strategy for like SMBs or VS that really care about like ranking locally, but for anything that cares about like commercial queries, even like local markets or stuff like that, right? Like you want to do just actual link building. Cool. Jeff, uh, take us home, Jeff. Cool. Take us home. Sweet. So we, we uh, finish every podcast with a question that we uh, like to ask all our guests. And I'm going to do two with you. But the first one will be SEO related. The second one will be gardening related. <laughs> so there you go. <laughs> so first, um, someone's new getting into SEO. Um, today's day one at the job. They, they You hired them at local SEO. They don't know anything about SEO, what's the first piece of advice you would give them? Uh, SEO is always the lowest priority until it isn't. That statement is so, so real. I've got a couple of clients yeah. where, oh man, that statement is so real. I need that on a t-shirt actually. Good Lord. Andrew Shotland original. That is his, right. his number one like Zen statement about SEO. That's amazing. And uh, I guess the same sort of question when it comes to gardening. I know you're crazy. So if anyone is interested in, in uh, backyard gardening, I used to kind of, I used to have a Facebook page called the Luella Backyard Farm because I used to kind of go nuts with all the stuff. Since I moved, I haven't really um, done it here yet in my new house, though I just got some trees removed. So now I can actually start building that out. Um, what is your, and I actually wrote an article one time about how organic gardening is just like organic SEO and kind of based like if you garden and you use miracle Grow and you're going to burn out your garden, just like if you're, you know, doing some fake things there with, uh, with your SEO. But uh, so in gardening, what is like your, like a, a secret tip to have like better vegetables growing in your garden? So number one, come join our my SEO garden Slack that I run with uh, Rachel Anderson, who's a technical SEO over at Deep Crawl. We have about awesome. like 40, 40, 50 people in it from um, nice. the U.S., some in Europe, um, just a bunch of SEO dorks talking, talking gardening. Um, great. But yeah, yeah I'll, I'll send you the, uh, well, hit me, actually, I have your email on the calendar invite. I'll just send you an invite. Um, so the my number one secret, and this is like, maybe known if people follow me on Twitter and for sure known in SEO garden Slack is I am like a compost tea addict. I am just like totally obsessed with the compost tea and particularly rainwater compost tea because it has all that good bacteria. And so I don't know um, what compost tea is, is you take water and some type of bacteria source, whether it's like compost or like grass clippings, chicken shit is a popular one to use. And you'd like throw it in the water, put in a, a, an air stone with an air pump. So it creates a highly oxygenated water uh, environment. And then you throw in blackstrap molasses or some type of, I use blackstrap molasses, but some type of sugar in order to supercharge the 
it creates the anaerobic, I believe it is, the the good bacteria that like oxygen, not the bad bacteria that yeah. become super multiplied in the uh, compost tea. And so then you can dump it into your plants roots. And it's basically just like dumping in a ton of uh, like compost after the fact. So you can create bacterial colonies, the strongest will survive. And if nice. anybody knows anything about gardening, most plants like they do well because they have good roots. And so yeah, yeah compost tea, Dan's number That's one secret. Great. I actually got a, I got a whole bunch of blackstrap molasses, but that's to make room with right now. Ooh, but I fun. will be using it. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, next year when I get my gardening up, that's uh, I have a worm farm that I have to set up again. So I can Oh, me that. too. Me too. Yeah. I love the vermiculture. Awesome. And then, um, and then also, yeah, doing some compost tea. I have to get my compost bin set back up. So. Oh yeah. Dead. So compost is the third most popular channel in the SEO garden slack. And Sweet. we have a lot of self-sufficient things. Chickens are, I believe number four. Yeah. I used to have uh, eight of them. So it was nice. Oh, I, w- I want to get three. Yeah. I want to get three. So Cool. I know Jake's like, what's going on right now? No, I mean, <laughs> hey, this is all I, I, uh, I used to tease my dad when I was a young, a young lad uh, all the time uh, about his passion for growing flowers and getting out in the garden and, and doing things like that. I'm like, dad, that's, that's not very manly when, you know, I mean, keep in mind, I'm like 16 or 17 or 18. What do I know about the world? <clears throat> and here I, here I am in, in my, uh, in my late thirties. And I love now I'm not on the level that you guys are like, I'm not into composting or anything like that, but we're going to be putting in a vegetable garden um, this summer. And uh, so I love, it's like my favorite thing to like get out and get in the garden and, yep. and uh, watch things grow. Like I, my wife doesn't go to the flower shop. It's me. Uh, mm-hmm. And, and I look back on my 16 year old self and I'm like, what an idiot I was for giving my dad shit about that. <laughs> all that, all that. He just laughed at me and he goes, he'll understand someday. And uh, my son ever gives yeah. me shit about it. I'm just going to laugh at him and and say the same thing but anyways so this is not this is not where i imagined ending the ending the season ending the season but it is a it is a great place to end so uh dan where can people find you uh at dan Leapson on twitter or if you want to email me just dan at com. cool uh and uh thank you for for joining uh yeah thank you to uh to all the listeners uh who uh, yes, who built you. us up during the the season? We've we've uh, gathered a nice little audience, a niche audience, and we're um, very thankful for everybody. Uh, this season was really awesome, and I'm sure that we'll uh, uh, have some videos or some some thoughts that we put out about things that we learned during the season, kind of after after the fact. Um, but yeah, it was a it was a lot of fun, and we're looking forward to uh, season three coming back here in a couple of months. I think next season we're going to take on the Rogan experience. We're going to take, take yeah, over. we're going after Joe Rogan and I fully expect people to be carrying us For off sure. on shoulders by the end of next season. That's kind of what I am. That's how I imagine this season ending, like being carried off on people's shoulders to great applause. And, and in yeah, the end, yeah, we're, talk, we're talking about chickens in, in gardening and, and whatever, but any, <laughs> that's okay. All right. All right, everybody. Uh, So until season three, uh, thank you for listening.
Thank you so much for listening to the Page 2 Podcast. If you'd like to find out more about the show or listen to more episodes, visit us at page2podcast.fm. That's page, the number two, podcast.fm. Our episodes are also available on a number of other platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Breaker, Deezer, Overcast, Pocket Cast, Stitcher, TuneIn, and more. Additionally, you can also listen to our show on our new YouTube channel. If you'd like to become a sponsor or would like to be interviewed, get in touch with us at thepage2podcast at gmail.com. Until next time, happy optimizing.